Welcome to the New Generation Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, we hope today's message fills you with hope and inspiration. NGC is a place where people can come together to grow in their faith, learn from one another, and support each other through life's challenges by living out the Word of God. We believe and share the love of Jesus in everything we do, and we're excited to bring that love to you through our podcast. Let's dive into today's message. We hope you enjoy. And for a few minutes, I'm going to read, if you will, we'll launch off from verse 1 through 7, and we'll read in your presence today. If you're visiting with us, thank God for you being here today. For those of you online, thank God for you being a part of this service. Amen. Anybody excited that you were alive and are alive to see 2024? How about it? How about it, man? What an awesome God we serve. Listen, you know, I would love to do this responsively this morning. I'm going to read verse 1. If you would read verse 2, I will read verse 3. Y'all old schoolers know what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. I would love to do that. So it's on your screens, reading from the NASB 95 version of the Bible, and it reads as follows. Now, brethren, talking to believers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Beautiful. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Let's lift up our voices like a trumpet and read verse 7 together. Ready? Read. But just as you abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspire you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Praise the Lord. For a few minutes this morning, I want to speak with you on the topic of abounding generosity. Abounding generosity. Give your neighbor a fist pound as you take your seat and say, this year I am abounding in Jesus. This year, I am abounding in Jesus. Uh, the true story is told a local manager of a Walmart in Walmart in Bristol, Tennessee, said an anonymous donor came into the store in a December. This was around 2020 and paid almost sixty five thousand dollars to pay off people's layaways. Y'all know they still have layaway today, right? <laughs> The store then contacted every customer telling them that their balance had been paid and they could pick up their items. 
Several people said they were confused at first, but grateful for the person's generosity. The manager said it was touching to see people set an example during this particular time. And the manager added, we were honored to play a small role in these acts of kindness. And we love seeing the joy it brings to our customers this time of year. What, what these customers experience, now how many of you honest with me, if that happened to you, you would give God praise, wouldn't you? <laughs> Somebody paid for something that you wanted and you didn't have to pay for it. But what these customers received is what we call abounding generosity. They received abounding generosity. The Lord, watch this now, he desires for all of us, under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this house or whether you're listening to us over the uh, Internet, the Lord desires for you and me to be one who is known as one who operates in abounding generosity. He desires to use you as a vessel or a conduit of his grace so that people know that the God you serve is a giving God. Now, in this passage of scripture, we find this is the Apostle Paul, and this is the second letter to the Corinthians. Now, you remember that Paul, he founded, if you will, the Corinthian church. In Acts chapter 18, we find that he gets connected with these tent makers. That was Paul's profession, if you will. His, his uh, occupation was that of a tent maker. He made tents. But he comes in contact with Aquila and Priscilla, and they're tent makers as well, and God joins them together, and they found, Paul does, what is called the Corinthian church. And it's, it's, it's an amazing church. It, it's off to an amazing start. They're doing some incredible things, but five years removed from beginning the church, the church began to fall into some great difficulty and some great tribulation. So in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul is writing to them to bring forth correction of what they ought not to be doing in the church. It was a, if you will, a church that has gone wild. I mean, this church, when you read about it, is incredible about the things that are going on in this church most prominently is a man was sleeping with his stepmother and nobody in the church said anything about it. I tell y'all often, turn off the reality shows and start reading your Bible. And Paul, he's writing in his first letter to the Corinthians, he's basically correcting them and bringing forth correction through what God says about how they ought to behave in the church. It was a harsh letter, but it got their attention. In his second letter, he begins to write, encouraging them in the things that they responded to. You ever been corrected before and you knew you were wrong and the person you corrected, that corrected you, 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 you really didn't want them to say anything and you, you felt some kind of way about them correcting you and you, you really wanted to go off on them, but you knew they were right. <laughs> this is the Corinthian church. They were, they were being corrected knowing what they were doing was wrong, 
but they didn't want to hear about it. I thank God for Jesus today who brings correction to our hearts. But how do you respond to the correction? See, the, the church of Corinth, they, they responded in sorrow. And they said, you know what, Paul, everything you're saying about us is right. We're sorry. And it's in his second letter to the Corinthians, the first seven chapters, he writes to them about the comfort of God. See, what, what, when you correct somebody and you bring forth correction or when you're corrected, what you need to first then seek after your correction is the comfort of God. Because I know um, the, the Bible tells us and what Paul was telling this church is you serve a God who is the father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. Does anybody in here today need the comfort of God in their lives? Well, he is a God of all comfort. And Paul, he writes in the first seven chapters about the comfort of God. Then abruptly in, verse, in chapters 8 and 9, which we'll talk about today, chapter 8, he gets into the subject of giving. Wait a minute, Paul, you were talking about, to us about the comfort of God, and now... You're going to talk to us about giving? Y'all know how giving is in church, right? Man, if you talk about giving in church, and if this is your first time here, we don't talk about giving a whole lot in this church, but I'm going to talk about it today in the name of Jesus because the Bible instructs us to talk about it. Verses 8 and 9, he talks about giving, and then the latter part of 2 Corinthians, he begins to defend his apostleship as these, quote-unquote, what the Bible terms as super apostles, those who thought they were more mightier than God himself, they began to point out things about Paul to the Corinthians, trying to discredit his ministry. See, Paul was not an attractive man. In fact, he was short in stature, he was bald-headed, and he didn't have eloquency of speech. And these super apostles, they came in and said, y'all still listening to this dude? We're dressed up in the finest gear. We drive the finest clothes. And y'all still listening to old Paul? Y'all see how many beatings he has taken? We ain't taking no beatings. And Paul went on to defend his apostleship, saying, if you want to see evidence of my work, just look at the church. See, sometimes you don't have to get on the level. You better not get on the level with other people who are trying to look better than they actually are. Somebody say, we don't have to go there. Thank God for that. But, but, but there's an interesting word here, and this serves, if you will. I want you to get this as, 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 as a church because this year is the year where we're going to abound in the things of God. I'm excited about that because God says to us, you haven't seen nothing yet. You think you saw something in 23 and 22 and, and 20 and so forth and so on. But God is saying you haven't seen nothing yet. Notice this key verse here, and we're going to talk about this as we unpack it. But in verse 7, notice what it says. It says, but just as you abound, he's talking to the Corinthians. He says, you know what? Just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance, and knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. 
Let's define our terms. What does it mean to abound? What does it mean to abound? Abound, watch this now, is, is to exceed a fixed number of measure. It's to exceed a fixed number of measure. It's to, to be left over and above a certain number or measure. To put it simply, when we talk about abounding, it simply means to make abundant or to make excellent. To make abundant or to make excellent. Anything we do for God, we want to ensure that for God's glory, we're making it abundant or we're doing it in excellence. If we can't do it in that fashion, if we're representatives of God and we choose not to abound to do the best we can do when we have the opportunity to do it, then we're discrediting God. Somebody say abound. We want to abound. We want to exceed. We want to make abundant or make excellent. And this is the, the call, if you will, that, that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church. He says, look. You're abounding in faith. You're abounding in utterance or speech or good preaching. He says, you're doing these things well. He says, you're, you're abounding in these things, and, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you're abounding in these things, but you're not abounding in everything. See, abounding is, is, is used of a flower. Watch this now. Here's a visual. It's used as a flower going from a bud into full bloom. It's used of a flower, imagine this with me, going from a bud into full bloom. Some of you have bloomed, but you haven't always been in a bloom position. You were once a bulb. And it took time. It took you learning how to abound in the things that took you from a bulb into a flower. Uh, abounding, it, it, it necessitates, watch this, becoming a conduit for the Lord's use. Never lose sight of where your abounding comes from. Never lose sight who's causing you to abound in the things that are related to God because God not only wants you to abound, but he wants you to be a conduit, a go-between, where he can get that abounding to other people. In other words, we hear it like this in our church terms. We're blessed to be. All right, everybody didn't get that. We're blessed to be. Amen. We're blessed to be a blessing. The reason we abound is to help other abound also. The, the, the third thing here, and I'll get to my points here in a minute, but uh, abounding not only it, it represents a bulb going to a flower, not only does abounding um, necessitate becoming a conduit for the use of God, but abounding, watch this now, it involves God's multiplication and not man's addition. See, many of us are in the business of addition. And God is saying, you're going to wear yourself out by operating in addition. What I'm trying to do is to multiply so that you can begin to show others how to multiply as well. God is an abounding God. God's math doesn't make sense. 
It just doesn't make sense. God will ask you to give when it looks like you have nothing to give. But what he's doing is testing the level of your faith to see if you have more allegiance to what's in your hand or more allegiance to the one you're going to give it to. I'm talking about abounding today. He necessitates that we become conduits. You are, watch this, this church, if anybody asks you if you're connected to this church, what is the goal of this church, new generation? We're to be a distribution center for the kingdom of God. We get what we need from our heavenly father and we do not hold it. I'm looking for somebody to give this glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ that gives us eternity, man, I want you to have this. How dare us hold it and, t- and, and think that it's all for us. Don't you realize, people of God, that when we believe in Jesus, amen, and we receive him as Lord and Savior of our lives, the promise to that is that we have eternal life, abundant life. Regardless of what the tombstone says, your birth date dash, your death date here on earth. But if you gave your life to Jesus, oh, you're living in the abundant life. Oh, abounding. I love this word because we, we know that, uh, put this in your margin, uh, Romans 5 and 20, it says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So there's something greater than sin, and it's called grace. Paul taught the Ephesians, he says, for by grace are we saved through faith, not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. I thank God for abounding grace in this place today. Let me ask you a question. In what areas of our lives should we strive to abound? In other words, where should we strongly desire to excel that it makes God looks good, that it makes God look good. Let me ask you a question and be honest with me. If you really desire this year to make God look good this year through abounding, let me see your hand. Amen. Look around, people. Look around. Everybody in here. I see every hand up, every hand. You can put them down now. Everybody wants to make God look good. And the way we make God look good is through living a life of abounding. An abounding life is what it's called. Without faith, Bible tells us, it is impossible to please God. So notice here in the scripture, right? I'm still in verse 7, right? Notice what Paul is saying to this Corinthian church. Um, I, I love one translation of this. It, it reads as this. It says, you, you do well and excel in every respect. And then he lists seven things here. And this is what I want to want to give you for a portion of our message today, because we, we want to abound in the things of God. Somebody say, I want to abound in the things of God. The first thing he says is we, we, we want to abound in everything. OK, what's everything? Everything. Amen. We want to abound in every area of life. Don't reserve it just to church on Sunday. Take it with you when you go to school or when you go uh, on your job on Monday. You want to abound. You want to show forth that the Lord is good. Amen. Not just giving our praise on Sunday, but every day of the week, we want God to be glorified. We want God to smile at us when we're on our jobs and in our families. Somebody say everything. The second thing he says, you know what? There's seven attributes of godliness. That's what I'm giving you right now. 
as, it, as, as we abound together in Jesus, number one is we abound in everything. Somebody say everything. The second thing, watch this. If we're going to abound in Jesus, we have unstoppable faith. I'm talking about faith that moves mountains. I'm talking about the type of faith that, that pleases God because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Does anybody know what it means to have unstoppable faith? Regardless of what's happening to me, I'm going to continue moving forward in the things of God. The third thing is we have, watch this now, I love this. We have an anointing and grace to boldly speak God's word. You realize that, people of God? God has graced your lips not to cuss people out. He's graced your lips to speak the oracles of God. And everywhere you go, you can speak the promises of God. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place before where you were feeling down, but somebody began to remind you about the promises of God. And it caused you to go from one state to another. You're anointed, people of God, as children of God, to speak anointing, bold words of God. The fourth thing is we have revelation knowledge. We have revelation knowledge. Man, I, I don't see it as you see it. I see it. How do you see it like that? I see it differently based on what the Bible tells me, or what God has promised me. I see it differently. We're going to talk about this church in a minute who saw things differently in spite of their situation and their circumstance. We have passionate devotion. Passionate devotion. Man, when we get together and we begin to uh, open up the word of God, when we have fellowship, it creates a fire. That, that, that allows us to go forward in the things of God because it's in an abounding nature. The sixth thing, I want to park here just for a minute, we show love. We show love. We show what? Love. Go over with me quickly to John's Gospel, chapter 13, and let's look at 34 and 35 because love looks like something. You ever anybody, had anybody tell you, I love you? I love you, I love you, I love you. The story's told of a, a man, he uh, broke up with his girlfriend, uh, Tina, and, and Tina uh, actually broke up with him, to be honest. She got tired of him, and she was just saying, you know what, I'm moving on. Um, uh, Charlie, I'm breaking up with you, Tina told Charlie. And, and Charlie, a week later, hit the lottery. $20 million. He gets a letter from Tina in the mailbox. And he's opening up the letter. He begins to read it. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I made a terrible mistake. I love you. I love you. I love you. Charlie, I love you. P.S. Congratulations on hitting the lottery. Now, did she really love Charlie? Absolutely not. But the type of love that I'm talking about is the type of love that Jesus teaches us here in John chapter 13, verse 34. Are you there? And a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I love you, that you also love one another. By this, here it is, 
all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Oh, I don't see any conditions in there. You got to love people when they get on your nerves and when they do things to you. You still got to love them because this, that, that's how you know somebody has been with Jesus. Wait a minute. You still love that? Yep. yep I, 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 hey, I didn't been with Jesus, so I can love anybody. Amen. Somebody say love. I'm not talking about eros. Eros deals with uh, the, the intimacy that's shared between a husband and a wife. It deals with, I got adults in here, er, 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 erotic. It deals with sexual love. I'm not talking about store, Jay. Every time you go to the family reunion, somebody grabs you and says, hey, cuz, I love you. Never seen that cousin before in your life. But you love them. Not talking about phileo, brotherly love, that has a place. But the tight love we're talking about is the unconditional love that when Jesus has shown it to us, it's now easy to show it to anybody else. We're talking about agape. Somebody go ahead and give them a praise in the name of Jesus. Agape love will take you places that you never thought you could go. Oh, agape love today, people of God. It should be our number one goal to abound in every area of our lives until it reminds people of Jesus. You want, to re- you want people to be reminded of Jesus? Start abounding in the things as it relates to God. Now, I told you there were three sections in this particular passage of Scripture, and Paul, he abruptly stops at verse 8, and he begins to, 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 to teach the people about giving. Um, the Corinthians had made a promise that they were going to give to the church in Jerusalem because they were experiencing heartache and suffering. The church in Jerusalem, the church who, who started, where, where, where the gospel started, there was so much persecution going on in the place that they became poor and they needed support from other churches. Have you ever been in a place where you just needed a hand up? You just needed somebody to help you out a little bit. Well, this church was suffering so much, uh, the, the church in Jerusalem, and, and Paul is giving an example to the Corinthian church of another church who, 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 who basically stood up to the test and made it easy for the church in Jerusalem. Watch this now, because this, this is important, uh, because the Apostle Paul, he longs to see the Corinthian church abound in giving to the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. They excelled in other ways, as we just mentioned, but they did not excel in their giving. When we respond to God's grace in our lives with a willingness to give to others, his grace to us and through us is magnified all the more. Again, it makes God smile. My first point is this, living an abounding life. I saw everybody's hand go up who wants to live an abounding life this year. But living an abounding life, watch this, is represented through a perpetual flow of grace and favor. Living an abounding life is representative or represented rather through a perpetual flow, meaning that it's a faucet that's turned on, that's not turned off, of favor and grace. Notice verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you, here's that word, the grace 
of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. So Paul is saying, Corinthian church, I know you stood up to the plate and said you were going to do something and you haven't done anything yet. But let me tell you about the Macedonia church. The, the Macedonia church was a very poor church, as we're about to read about here in a minute. But this is the church at Philippi. This is the church of Thessalonica. And this is the church of Berea. This is when you hear the word Macedonian or Macedonia church is comprised of those three areas, those three regions. But notice what, what it says here. It says the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. Watch this. That in a great ordeal of affliction, that means they have some life challenges going on, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty, they were very poor, overflowed in a wealth of liberality. Let me ask you a question. How in the world do you have abundant joy when facing a great ordeal of affliction and you're very poor? Is there any room for joy in a situation like that? I want you to notice the word here. Paul says, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace. Somebody say grace. Oh, thank God for grace. Oh, it's amazing grace. See, grace, watch this now. It's the spiritual condition of one led by the power of divine grace. Let me say that again. It's the spiritual condition of one led by the power of divine grace. Somebody say grace. Oh, what is grace? Of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps them strengthened, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindness to them to exercise the Christian values. Oh, when you have grace, regardless of what your situation looks like, you can resemble God. Watch this now. This is a new year. And I pray that you're waking up with a different attitude than you woke up with in 23. But, but, but a focus on grace, it can change our perspective. For a, for, a, for a little bit of joy in your life, consider this. Wake up in the morning and rather than complaining about what you don't have, start with the grace of God. Start with what he's already done that you don't deserve in the first place. Grace causes you to see things differently. Oh, I'm talking about grace today. Do I know anybody who knows about grace today? Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, watch this now, put this in your margin, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, because I'm talking about grace. We know grace as the unmerited favor of God, but notice what Paul says to this church at Corinth. He says in verse 9 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, and he, Jesus, has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Somebody give God a praise for that. Oh, man, Paul, watch this now. He was caught in what I like to call the paradox. He was caught up in the paradox. Somebody saying, Pastor, what is a paradox? I'm glad you asked. A paradox is, is a seemingly absurd, seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition 
that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. In other words, when you first hear something, the paradox would suggest that what you're hearing is not actually what's really happening. Oh, notice what the people said here. They said they were in a great ordeal of affliction. Watch this paradox in the scripture we just read. There was a great ordeal of affliction. Their abundance of joy. Wait a minute. How can you have joy when there's a great ordeal of affliction? And their deep poverty. They were poor, y'all. They didn't have anything. Overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Oh, there are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible, people of God. Oh, your life is a paradox. As I look at you right now, and I see that you've come through many dangers, toils, and snares. As I look at us, and we're, we're all a paradox because Paul also said over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in every way. Oh, I'm talking about a paradox right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I'm talking about a paradox today. Oh, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When you're weak, Jesus says, I am strong. I'm talking about you got to live in the paradox today. Each of these verses is meant to contrast an earthly view with a heavenly view. There is a difference between our material situation and our spiritual reality, although we experience both at the same time. Oh, man, you might be experiencing it right now. But I think about that songwriter. He was a slave owner, and he taught us this. And every time we sing Amazing Grace by John Newton, we vocalize the paradox of grace. "Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Wait a minute. That's a paradox right now in the name of Jesus. Are you living in the paradox? Does it look like really what it looks like? Do you have a heavenly view? Do you have an abounding view? Can you see with your revelational knowledge beyond what God is doing? Can you see the potential of that person regardless of how they talk to you and how they treat you? Can you pray for them? Can you intercede for them even in the midst of mistreatment? I'm talking about abounding. If you're going to abound, it's going to come with some stuff that you're going to have to just deal with and trust God to handle. If you're going to abound in Christ, the rubber's going to meet the road and you're going to be tested and you're going to have to stand up and go with Christ. I'm talking about abounding when they can take Jesus' body and throw him on an old rugged cross and nail his hands and his feet. He says, I'm still going to abound regardless of what you're doing to me. I'm talking about abounding, people of God. It's time to abound. Oh, we praise God in this place today. In his book entitled Humility, the beauty of holiness, Andrew Murray, watch what he says here. He says, in trial and weakness and trouble, in trial and weakness and trouble. Anybody know about that? In trial and weakness and trouble, he, Jesus, seeks to bring us low until we learn that his grace is all and to take pleasure in the very thing that brings us and keeps us low. His strength 
is made perfect in our weakness. His presence filling and satisfying our emptiness becomes the secret of humility that need never fail. Oh, I'm talking about abounding, but you got to be humble, man. If you're going to abound, you need to recognize that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. My second point, and I'm almost done here. I told you, firstly, that living an abounding life is represented through a perpetual flow of grace and favor. The Macedonian church had a perpetual flow of grace and favor on their lives. The second thing is this. Living an abundant life has more to do with the heart than the amount. It has more to do with the heart than the amount. Remember, the heart of the matter what? Man, we're in 2024, and that's going to resonate until the Lord returns. The heart of the matter is that your heart is the matter. And you're so busy looking at what other people are giving, trying to match what they're giving, and God says, all I want you to do is give to me in earnesty and truthfulness, and I will abound upon that which you placed in that person's hand or in that offering plate because I want you to experience an abundant life. Are you hearing me today? Stop comparing yourself to other people. I read about what Jesus taught us. The lady gave two mites. That's less than a penny, people of God. And, and he was sitting there watching the offering, and all them men who didn't give out of their abundance, they gave because they just had enough to give. They were giving. It didn't hurt them to give what they were giving. But this one little old lady came and dropped them coins in that receptacle. Cling, 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 cling. And I can see the disciples trying to laugh. And Jesus said, hold on. She gave more than anybody else ever gave. Anybody that we're watching giving here, she's given more. She gave it all. I'm talking about abounding. Are you willing to give it all if God asks for it? Amen. All of us here is anyway in the name of Jesus. But living an abounding life, it has more to do with the heart than the amount. Watch this in verse 3 now. It says, for I testify that according, talking about the Macedonian church here, this is the example to the Corinthians he says, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability. Wait a minute. They were afflicted and they were very poor. And they not only gave according to their ability, but they gave beyond their ability. They gave of their own accord. Nobody begged them to give. They gave because they wanted to give. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Oh, we got here four things. The Macedonians are the example of generosity. Notice number one, they gave sacrificially. Y'all see that? They gave not only according to their ability, but they gave beyond their ability. You know what? I don't, I don't like the prayer. And as I, get, as I learn more and I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me, I don't like the prayer. God does bless those who desired to give and had not. Amen. No, everybody has something to give. Amen. You have something to give. I don't like that prayer. Amen. You, you have something to give. And when you give from your heart, remember, it's not about the amount. God will bless it. God will bless it. I got a witness in here. He, he will bless it in the name of Jesus. But number one, they gave sacrificially. Number two, they gave, I'm talking about abounding, they gave willfully or willingly. They gave willingly. Notice what it says here. 
They gave of their own accord. Paul, he goes to this church and he's seeing their condition and he's like, wait a minute, I can't ask for my offering from y'all. Y'all in worse condition than the people that's asking for. I, I, I can't. But, but they, they begged him. When's the last time you were in a church where they begged you to take up an offering? They begged, they begged him to take up an offering, which is number three. They gave eagerly. Notice what it says here. Begging us <laughs> with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Hey, we want to participate. We don't have much, but we understand that what those people are going through, we want to help them any way that we can. And they gave. They gave. Sacrificially. They gave willingly. But they also, watch this now, they gave spiritually. And this brings me to my last point. When you give, let me make this practical. I have to teach you because the world will try to teach you about uh, the area of finance. And I'm obligated, regardless of who it divides me with or separates me from, I have to teach you what thus says the Lord, even as it relates to money. Credibility If I can just say this, I'm not out to get your money. Many of us come in with the notion, and unfortunately, the church has done a poor job. It's the church's fault. I'm not blaming the world for this. But the church has made and put a bad taste in people's mouth that the preacher wants your money and that we have stewardship that doesn't equate to helping the people who give into the ministry. Can I just be real with you? I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but I'm saying, man, once you read the scriptures, it's like, wait a minute, Lord, hold on a minute. You, you will supply. You will provide. Teach us to be good stewards over that which you've given us. When God, watch this now, in this church, notice, and I'm saying this, watch this now, different administration, we don't oftentimes pass the offering basket. Okay? Why? Because we want you to give from your heart. We don't want to do it. We quote that every Sunday. Um, grudgingly. Or out of necessity for God. What? What kind of giver? That word cheerful is the word where we get our word hilarious from. So watch this now. During a time of giving, this is what we do in this church. You can come in um, even before the offering and drop your drop your offering in the receptacle. We're going to have a receptacle sit right here during the fellowship time while you're greeting people, hugging, dapping them up, loving on them. You can drop your offering in there. Many of you give your offering online. Okay, that's not the the, the purpose. You know, we want to set aside First Corinthians 16 at the beginning of the week. What belongs to the Lord? All right. You can give any time in this church. But when we come together to celebrate that time of giving, that's what we're doing. We're coming together. God, thank you that I was able to give something. God, thank you that, 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 that you got to begin to thank him for even the small things or what you consider small. It wasn't small at one point in your life that the lights were still on. <laughs> that there are no pink slips on your door talking about we're going to cut some water off. Amen. The only water we're going to get is the water and the blood that's found in Jesus, right? Amen. You get to that point in life, you can start living. 
But these people, they understood that it is more blessed to give. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul talking to these Ephesian elders at Miletus, the last time he's going to see them, and he says, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is what? More blessed to give. Wait a minute. That's a paradox. You mean it's more, if I give, I'm, 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 see, the blessing is not just in receiving. The blessing is in giving. We reversed that thing. My last point, living an abounding life will manifest itself. Notice this. When we first give ourselves to the Lord and then give our substance, living an abounding life will, will, will manifest itself when we first, somebody say first, first give ourselves to the Lord and then give our substance. Notice in verse five, it says, and this, not as we had expected. They didn't expect these people to give anything. But they first, here it is, gave themselves to who? Y'all see that? First gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you, there's that word grace, this gracious work as well. See, the Corinthian church was, was quite proficient in some graces but were very deficient in one grace, giving. They made a promise to give, had, no, had the means to give, but chose not to give. In contrast, this poor Macedonian church, they chose to live in a paradox. They were afflicted, poor, but joyful, and begged to be a blessing to the church at Jerusalem. They gave themselves to the Lord. And when you first give yourself to the Lord, we have grace like never before. In my closing, watch this now. Brand new year. We're excited. Before you do anything else this year, Make sure you've given yourself to the Lord. Don't take another step until you first make up in your own heart that everything I am and everything that I have, it belongs to you, God. God, I'm made in your likeness. I'm made in your image. Even in the mistakes that I made, I'm going to pause because I'm ready to abound. But I recognize I can't abound until I first give myself to you. You're not, watch this, you're not going to abound unless you're in the Lord. These people's heart were in a posture to give in their affliction. Where are we? Jesus 
is approached by this rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler asks a very important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And they go down this litany, if you will, of, of the, 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 the five commandments that deal with how we're to treat one another. And very arrogantly, this rich young ruler says, I didn't kept all those. See, when you take a test for God and you get a 99, you fail. But I made a 99. But 99 just won't do. You got to have a 100. I kept all those. Jesus said, there's one that you haven't kept. Go and sell all you have and then give it to the poor. Jesus was saying, either I have all of you or you'll walk away from me having nothing. People of God, as we abound in this year, let us cast aside every weight and let's run the race that's set before us as we desire to please Jesus, the God-man. Somebody give him a praise in the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Glory. It's time to abound, people. Somebody says, Pastor, I don't know how. Well, you're in a good place then. Because all he wants you to do is surrender. In an arrest, the authorities ask you to freeze. Lift your hands. Surrender. In other words, I want you to surrender because now I'm going to take you under this control. And we're going to correct that which is wrong. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't kick against the pricks, people. When the Holy Spirit is arresting you, the best thing to do is surrender. I'm telling you, man. You want to abound? Give it all to him. Father, as we close out this first service of 2024, we don't know what tomorrow will hold, but we do know who holds tomorrow. Lord, I pray for a spirit in this church that you gave the Macedonia church. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, that that is in existence in this church, that we become others focused. Lord, without putting a billboard up or putting it on Facebook, let us help that brother and sister who has communicated a need to us. Let us let our love shine bright so that it resembles our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for abounding this year 
as we surrender our lives to you, Father. We love you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the promise of your word is that you will deliver us even out of our afflictions. But even while we're in the affliction, we will not stop giving you praise and honoring your name because your name is greatly to be praised. So we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, at the end of every service, we offer an appeal. And this is more so for you than it is for anybody else. When we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there'll be nobody standing there with you. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. When people say to me, oftentimes, you can't judge me, I says, you're right, but God will. And where will you stand in that place? Did you receive Jesus Christ, his only solution to sin as Lord and Savior? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God for Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, who gave his life to bridge the gap so that we could have a relationship with the Father and abound in this life. It's about relationship, people. You're here today, man, woman, boy, girl. Black, white, purple, green, or orange. We all need Jesus. Thank you for joining us today here on the New Generation Church Podcast. If you have any questions regarding your faith in Jesus Christ, please visit our website at www.newgc.org forward slash following hyphen Jesus. Be sure to watch on YouTube or subscribe to listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For additional information on New Generation Church, please visit our website at www.newgc.org. If you would like to give to this ministry, please text the word GIVE to 251-278-2225. Again, that number is 251-278-2225. Or you can mail your gift to 1350 Cody Road North, Mobile, Alabama 36608. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you real good is our prayer.